0: Welcome to Season 2 of Lean Startup Company Podcast Series. I'm Heather McGough, co-founder of Lean Startup Company, where we share lean startup and modern management techniques to a growing community of entrepreneurs and corporate innovators. We produce webcasts, podcasts, original content, our annual Lean Startup Conference, and offer live and virtual training in the enterprise. Whether you're building a high-growth tech startup, a mobile app, a piece of hardware, working in a nonprofit or a large bureaucratic organization, adopting lean startup methodology can help support continuous innovation and sustainable growth. Today's guest is Brian Matthews, Associate Dean at Virginia Tech Libraries and former Assistant Director for Virginia Tech Center for Innovation and Learning. He has also worked at UC Santa Barbara and Georgia Tech. Brian has written Marketing Today's Academic Library And has also been a columnist for the Journal of Web Librarianship and American Libraries. His blog, The Ubiquitous Librarian, is hosted by the Chronicle of Higher Education. Brian is currently finishing a new book called Encoding Spaces, Shaping Environments That Unlocked Human Potential.
1: Welcome to the show, Brian.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Can you
1: tell me a bit about your work at Virginia Tech and how you came across the Lean Startup.
2: Sure. So, so I'm an associate dean in the libraries, which means that I have my hands in, in a lot of different things from our physical building and facilities, our commons areas where students and faculty work, our service desks, our cafe, education program, classrooms, event space, like a whole whole bunch of different things that are really kind of connected to the 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 public experience, meaning the the things that are out front rather than the back room kind of operation. So, together I have about forty employees and probably about um, twenty to thirty uh, student assistants in there. So that's that's kind of my my team and 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 what I do. And you know, I think you know getting to lean startup, I think it started uh, when I was at at Georgia Tech. And um, it, uh, in the libraries, I, I worked really closely with our our College of Computing. And this was like 2006, 2007, 2008, and I kept coming. I kept meeting these students who were developing commercial websites and, and eventually, uh, apps for for iPhones and whatnot. And there was always this kind of entrepreneurial buzz that was really uh, pretty, pretty exciting. And um, after Georgia Tech, I moved out to Santa Barbara, and and and, and I found it there too. Uh, there was it's like this new American dream is to to build a build a company from from scratch and and go from there. Uh so I saw that out in California and 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 got to see uh you know some some more of that and and what's kind of happening in, in in that part of the country and then I came to to here in Blacksburg and Virginia Tech and and again that spirit was here and it was this uh you know chance to visit some some co-working kind of areas, incubator spaces and just kind of see these these students and it was very inspiring to me. And you know, all these places, these you know, from Atlanta and, and California and, and, and Virginia, there, it's the, the same sort of vibe. It's the same sort of um, yeah, students who are excited and, and passionate. They want to build things, design things, do something different, create something. And it's very alluring. And, and so as I moved up in libraries and kind of got gained more responsibility and, and, and more, uh, you know, ability to influence things and, and so on, you know, I was really attracted to that, that sort of ethos and that, that idea of how can I – use that sort of spirit, you know, it, could I even use that spirit to, to, to do that? And, and I think, I think I came across a lean startup, uh, through YouTube, watching Eric talk, uh, at Stanford, I think it was Stanford, one of their entrepreneurial series where he was explaining the, the, the concept. And, uh, I think I borrowed the book first from, from the library and it was, it was, you know, I was just hooked on it and ended up buying my own copy. And I think that's when, you know, it's a good book when, when a librarian buys their own copy of something. So, <laughs> That's, that's how I got into, that's how I found my way into Lean Startup was, was through, um, you know, just kind of being inspired by, by students who were kind of doing this and then seeing how could I bring that into my, to my workflow.
1: A couple months ago, I interviewed Harvard Business Review and learned about how they moved to digital. And your situation really takes this one step further. What are some of the challenges that universities and its libraries are facing as everything continues to move digital?
2: So, you know, there's a lot of things are moving to digital, but it doesn't mean they're moving to being free. And I think, um, you know, in fact, we're seeing a different business model in, in in academic libraries, I guess, in public libraries too, where the old model was we would purchase a book, a single book, or subscribe to a single journal, in, and that could be print or digital. It Doesn't really matter in this kind of case. But but over the recent years, it's been moving more to like package deals where we license bulk content so instead of being able to purchase maybe thousands of books uh, a year we can we can actually access millions of ebooks a year and so just that sort of volume of of being able to provide more stuff to people is is, is pretty big and if if you think of like you know Harvard Business Review or, or or New York Times or something like that those those are online but you can view a couple articles a month for free and then you hit a paywall and so a big part of, of what libraries have always done and it's just intensifying now um is there's more and more content is is helping people around those paywalls, which means we buy stuff or we license stuff we give them access to that and you know the the bulk of our content actually of our library budget and and goes to 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 that effort so at 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 my school we we pay about eight million dollars annually you know for collections to 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 purchase some stuff but more likely to to license that content uh license those academic journals and and so on and you know this introduces other needs, particularly you know when you think about challenges, other needs like um personnel so if you start having if you're moving from a print to digital world there's there's new expertise, new skill sets that you need so we need people who are programmers and and sort of data analysts uh we need we're really starting to see a lot of um like technology developers app developers kind of coming into to libraries and it's this this shift from you know we're developing rather than just being consumers rather than just being purchasers of information we're kind of um you know finding new ways to make it seamless for for people to to access but there's a lot of challenges that goes into making it seamless for the user you click here you get the pdf and and you're good to go but there's a lot of accounting and permissions and 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 technology kind of behind the scenes uh making that that happen so um that's that's what we see i mean things are are sort of changing but you know big picture even though we're sort of seeing, you know, people are teaching a little bit differently and, you know, research is kind of changing online, there's still this sort of infrastructure uh that that's needed to make that happen. And that's where sort of libraries have been having a big shift. I think in sort of business terms it's kind of um there's a, a brand evolution that's kinda of happening where we're we're typically associated with being this big box of books and, and now we're we're really kind of becoming like a, a digital service. Um with a physical storefront where people can come in and get help or work on projects or or so on, so that's kind of the the, the big idea of how we're're we're, we're embracing the, the the change
1: so now that you are becoming this um, you mentioned digital service, what can libraries and universities learn from startup culture in general?
2: You know, so there was um, a definition in, in in Lean Startup book that that really stuck with me, and I, I use it a lot when I talk to others. And it's um, it goes, an organization dedicated to creating something new under conditions of extreme uncertainty. And so I think this was really poignant for me during this this, this last recession that we had a few a few years ago, where all across the country and probably the globe, there were just huge cuts, particularly in higher ed. I mean, cuts everywhere, and sort of government funding in that sense. But huge cuts to higher ed and, and, and also to libraries. And, you know, our, our business models and our operation models are, are, are sort of changing or trying to change. We're sort of in an experimental stage there. But there's sort of new expectations that are that are coming up from our users, particularly students and faculty and others, even administrators. And, and there's sort of criticisms now that we kind of hear in the academy around, um, you know, do we even need a library? Everything's online. To the other extreme of, libraries should just be print-based. They shouldn't have technology and e-books and and that kind of a thing. So somewhere in that sort of middle is where we kind of have to operate. Of of how are we providing uh, these services to people? So the the big picture I try to hit at is this: there's this a lot of uncertainty. Um, when I I think when I talk about sort of startup to people, everyone kind of associates it more of like this small company in someone's garage, and and so it's it's really trying to uh, Help people expand beyond that. Where we're not really sure what you know, besides higher ed, what what a library will kind of look like in in ten, twenty, or thirty years, and that the old sort of benchmarks or metrics that we use aren't really effective anymore because the type of organizations we are 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 sort of changing. It's, again, from that print to digital, it introduces some some new things. So, you know, we need to, um, in terms of what we can learn, I think it's it's how we can learn new ways of discovering what needs to be done, new ways of uh, understanding sort of our our, our clientele, if you will, new ways of developing products and and projects together. Um, And sometimes that's starting from scratch. Here's this new thing. Let's run with that. Here's this new partner we have. Let's run with that. Or the continuous improvement side of, you know, we've always done it this way. Can we kind of probe at that and see, you know, can we do something different? Do we have to keep doing it can we do it faster could we eliminate this step so there's both sides of that i think um that 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 i've kind of found the 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 lean startup kind of methodology helpful for in terms of understanding some new sort of ventures as well as um, improving sort of existing ones. and so the the basics that were i think covered in the book that really kind of hit with me were just the, the the idea of like pivoting the rapid development cycles uh feedback loops the minimal viable product, you know, and the whole like the build measure learn scheme, I think provides us with like a framework and 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 it, it I think it gives us a way to sort of get off that that beaten path and and, and permission to to try some new things.
1: Brian, you're saving libraries. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in high school I um the library closed, you know, right at the end of school and I wrote a letter to the editor and I said this is a problem. We need to fix this, and um, they still didn't open it. But this is serious uh, stuff. No. <laughs> like, I feel like you are saving libraries, man. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you give me some examples of how you incorporated lean startup into the culture at Virginia Tech?
2: Sure. So I think um, I think that the, the obvious one for us, the one that's been most apparent and we've had most success at, is is really our physical spaces. And I think the the big trend we've seen in the last decade in libraries is as we do move more things to uh, from from print to digital, it opens up a little more space, and then we can do some new things with that space in terms of bringing students and faculty and, and and people together to 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 do whatever they need to do. Sometimes that's like a media lab. Sometimes it's collaborative areas or more quiet areas. It's an assortment of different 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 approaches. So, you know, what we've tried to do is is we've opened up spaces, and it tends to be little zones of a thousand square feet here, two thousand square feet here, very small. Um, scale in that sense, is just purchase, we always start by purchasing a bunch of tables and chairs, everything on wheels, like whiteboards on wheels, movable partitions, um, uh, anything that can be dragged around, soft seating, lounges, couches, power towers, stuff like that. And we kind of will, will will try some different iterations. I think this kind of blends a little bit with the sort of startup mentality of uh like A-B testing or, or just kind of like we have a prototype. We're kind of putting it out there to see what happens. And, you know, it's been helpful for us to get a sense of, of how things move around because it's really kind of a, a box of parts approach where we kind of open the doors and, and see what happens. And sometimes we'll have very sort of structured uh, spaces, like we'll put things in rows or we'll put things in little clusters or we'll intentionally make it look messy and just kind of see what happens. And the, the gist of what we kind of see is the the messier it is, the more likely students will try to fix it or move things around. And if it's in order, like in rows or, or groupings, they, they feel like they don't want to mess with it too much, where it's like, okay, they they accept sort of the, um, uh, the template, I guess, if you will, that's in front of them, and they kind of work with that. So I think that's good and bad, because sometimes I think the general gist of what we're... I guess there's two missions we're trying to do. The first one is... We want to see how students use this space, and see is it a collaborative space, is it a quiet space, is it a sort of casual study space? Is it what? What does it want to be? Does it want to be all those things? Does it want to, does certain things come together? But the, the second sort of mission, I guess, the intention is to see to create adaptable space so that as students move through the semester, uh, as they move through their projects, they can readjust that space for the task at hand so if you think about a group and you have a group come in and they need to kind of plan their project and then they need to start composing something maybe it's PowerPoint maybe it's a website maybe it's both maybe it's you know whatever a paper document they're doing the research they're doing the graphics they're doing all this video they're doing all this kind of stuff and then you get to kind of a point near the end where they need to start rehearsing it where they need to kind of work on the presentation or polishing it or or, or whatever and all those things are like they're in a different mood they're a different mindset they need different sort of tools Sometimes you want to be more relaxed. Sometimes you want to be more, like rigid or or, or more whatever. So it's really we want we we're trying to build the concept of the library is adaptable to to what you need and just move things around and and do what you want. So sometimes if they don't do that, if they just sort of accept a template or or a layout that we we put forth, it, it's kind of like we're 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 failing a little bit. But um, I think what we've kind of run into in the you know in the in the lean startup thing is when you do that, sometimes you get like these unexpected things where the access to power outlets is like the, is premium. So people unplug like, um, like vending machines or water fountains to plug into the power, or they'll they'll move like tables in front of people's offices because there's electricity there, or there's just space there, or something like that. So it kind of blocks people. You know, we get like the fire marshal always concerned about us with that. Our cleaning people are not sure what's going on with with that kind of thing, and and we have to kind of live with that a little bit. Of like we're we're, we're testing things out and 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 trying to get like this is a prototype rather than. Regular operations and that kind of thing. So, you know, there's just different nuances like that. I think that we've learned. I mean, I think a good example we found was we we tried to give a lot of portable partitions to students, and in certain areas they would like push them away where they didn't really want to be um, enclosed. They 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 chose to be in a space because it was open and they wanted to kind of have that see and be seen kind of a thing where they wanted to see who's coming in. And they wanted to interact with the people in that space, and it was it was kind of a social learning kind of aspect. Where in other places uh, were a little more quieter than they. They like that nesting where they want to kind of create a little like, like, uh, safe space of like don't you know don't don't look at me or <laughs> talk to me or anything. I want to mm-hmm. hide and do my work. So, so that was kind of gave us you know I think being able to just have that box of parts and, and kind of see how students uh, move things around and and again learn from how they move things around, but also trying to do little experiments throughout the semester to see you know what is the first half of the semester like compared to sort of finals and midterms when 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 people get kind of stressed out and and space becomes a premium in that aspect. So I think that's that's probably the, the biggest comparison we've had of is is creating sort of that culture both for our users to know like okay I can move things around but also to sort of our employees of of it's okay if they move things around let's kind of document that let's talk about that let's form these experiments and and, and see what happens.
1: So, considering that, how do you determine where the opportunities are for change or the new, you know, so-called products at Virginia Tech?
2: Sure. You know, I think it's it's started for us for having like a, a mindset of, you know, not just being sort of open to change, but but trying to be on the hunt for it, and and maybe even being responsible for it. Where we have people that are kind of out on the on, on the front lines a lot, and they're able to kind of notice things of you know, people can't print if they have this kind of situation or someone can't do this kind of a thing. And and sometimes it's becomes, I might become aware of a problem, but then that's it, you know, or maybe I'll tell a supervisor, that's it. And so we're trying to really try to empower people to uh, sort of make those changes or or kind of present their ideas, you know, to, 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 to people who can kind of make those changes and stuff. It's an IT problem. It goes this way. If it's a facilities problem, it goes this way. So um, it's kind of that, 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 that that idea of being sort of present in the space and and trying to see like what could I do to 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 make things better or what kind of problems are people running into kind of a lot and talking about that with each other rather than just you know letting it sort of die if you will and so I think you know in general of, of how we hunt for opportunities I think in in libraries we, we we kind of look at each other a lot where we kind of see like what are what are these other kind of places doing what kind of positions are they adding what software are they using to to do these kind of things and so it's kind of different from a for-profit where we're very open, where we'll give each other our books. We'll share our strategies and and, and tactics and and that kind of thing. And and we kind of intentionally will will get together to ask each other for help. So there's a lot of that where there's there's libraries have been, like I said, over the last decade, trying a lot of new things. And so I think there's it kind of brings us together of like, oh, here's what we're doing at Georgia Tech, and here's what we're doing at NC State, and here's what, you know, Purdue's doing, and this kind of thing. So it gives us the, a a constant opportunity to, to sort of talk about changes. I think, you know, again, back to that looking for opportunities at, at Virginia Tech Libraries, we use this phrasing called um, "map and integrate" a lot, and it's we we kind of look at the different colleges and the research institutes and and look at like what they're trying to do, how are they trying to grow, how are they trying to evolve, what problems do they have, and then trying to 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 match something with it, um, trying to partner with them and, and and sort of map out that landscape. and I think a a good example we saw with that is we have a certain software product that we um, promote and, and use that's around sort of uh, like publish uh, journal publishing. And it kind of walks you through this idea, of, like if you want to start a journal, it has the, the infrastructures there where people can submit things, people can review things, it moves it through, it lays it out, it does all that kind of, kind of work for you. And we took it to one of the colleges and they said, you know, we like this concept, but we'd really like to apply that to, like, grant proposals. Because when you're kind of writing a grant, you have different people that need to kind of create the content, but then there's, a you know, an accounting aspect and a compliance aspect and IRB. And there's, there's, it's kind of like this idea where you're moving a, a grant proposal through a sort of assembly line, if you will, and having different people putting in their sort of stamps and approvals and explanations and, and, and so on. And and so just kind of going in with that attitude of kind of understanding, like, what would help sort of the colleges both on their teaching as well as their sort of research um, to, to sort of grow was, was kind of a big thing. I think the last concept in terms of opportunities, I'm sure there's others, but the last one i will kind to of share now is you know just kind of looking at at our students in terms of engaging them through like social media but also in our space and being able to get to this culture where students feel comfortable enough telling us um bluntly like when when something's not working or they don't like something that we did or um you know asking us questions like can we improve this area and this this uh, such and such thing so that's kind of been a i think a change over probably the last decade that we've kind of seen where before the library was run, run by librarians and it was that, that was kind of it and now it's kind of becoming a little bit more sort of domesticated or a little bit more sort of user-friendly or student-friendly if you will and they're they're used to you know giving feedback to, uh, about their experiences and so we have kind of built that a lot of, of, of trying to to be on the lookout for that of how our colleges are changing how our student Preferences are changing. How they're using the spaces, and then even kind of looking at what what our libraries are doing and, and trying to learn from them as well.
1: You mentioned talking to students. What's your customer discovery process like?
2: It's messy. Uh, <laughs> I think um, <laughs> one of the first things I did uh, when I when I came to Virginia Tech was something we formed something that we called um, discovery teams, and it was just you know it was about fifty people, a mix of library employees, a few students, a few faculty. And uh, they were in groups of three, and each group had a a theme, kind of like um, collaboration or media production or quiet work or mentoring, some, something like that. And they had to go out across campus and, and sort of document examples of that, cases of that. They could do a few in the library, but we really wanted to push them into other spaces, you know, around the, the, the town, but also around campus, other buildings. And there were different things we were trying to achieve with that, but the most sort of... Um, designy thing that we wanted to do was, was really kind of, um, start to see firsthand how students were approaching their assignments and trying to get a sense of the, the variety of assignments of, of what they're trying to do and what kind of timelines they had, what kind of um, tools they had available, what what, what are students doing this was really the big question. And so there was a bit of observations. There was also some interviews and photos. And then a lot of times students would kind of tell us, like, I really like working here because this, this, and this, or I don't like working here, but it's the only place that's open and, and, and so on. So it gave us some good insight in you know, a very quick kind of way across a lot of different um, themes of, of of what people are doing, but I think through this we kind of found three major ideas around sort of variety and, and convenience and, and connections and, and that kind of thing. But I think from an organizational standpoint, I think one of the real values we gained was getting people out of their sort of day-to-day routines and kind of um, exposing them to these different ex- um, perceptions and, and and just kind of what what are students doing outside of our building? How are they, what what are the sort of struggles they have of trying to create a video. And, and is you know, if you're not in media production and it's the first time you're making a video, it can be kind of challenging. And so what are people using to do that? What kind of help is available to do that? What are they, you know, um, struggling with and, and so on? So it just gave us a better sense of really understanding sort of the users and students and faculty in that sense. And then it gave us a chance to kind of reflect a bit on our spaces and our services in the library to kind of see what are we doing? What are we not doing? What's something that's missing on campus? Um, You know, is there software that we could add? Is there sort of furniture we can add and and, and so on. So I think it, it it kind of helped us sort of think through that kind of process. Another approach, again, with this sort of discovery process, I think is our, um, in our teaching side, we we work a lot with different courses and, and sort of the bread and butter for, sort of librarians is freshman English or composition, writing classes. And typically what happens is a librarian will come to one of these classes and, and sort of teach people how to do research. And you trying to get it all down in an hour. It's really kind of tough to, to get it in there. But we started to probe that a little bit more. And, and you know, there's about 120 classes uh, a semester of those. And most of them are taught by uh, grad students. And for probably half of them, plus or minus, uh, that was their first time teaching. And so it was an interesting sort of wrinkle there where not only are we helping the students and having, you know, how are we helping undergrads learn to write and research and and that kind of thing, but there there was an opportunity, a mentoring opportunity of, of you have these these grad students or many of them are very, like a year or two removed from being an undergrad themselves. Now they're sort of teaching for the first time and and they have some mentorship, they have some some things, but, but is there a way we can help them? create assignments in and, and a way to kind of co-teach with them a little bit and, and so on. So there's little audiences like that, I think, that we kind of discover if you think about, you know, our customer base is very varied in uh, a university with 30,000 students and, and so on. So I think we're always on the lookout for, for that kind of a thing. Uh, one more example I'll kind of share is we started a, a workshop series um, and it was kind of like uh, over four five six weeks, each week you learn a different kind of thing related to like undergrad research. And this is the the typical audience with this was there's uh, each year a couple hundred students who they get sort of kind of like an independent study, I guess. You kind of say where they're, they're working in a lab or they're working with some sort of grant sponsored research or they're they're working with a faculty member on a book or something that they're doing that's, that's different from coursework. It's some kind of research project. And we kind of, you know, working with our provost office, we kind of developed a little series to kind of like a boot camp of getting ready to to do this research. How do you do this? How do you do that? And this kind of thing. And you know, we ran it and it was it was okay. We did did pretty well. We had like 30 people the first time. And the second time, we offered an online component where it was like you can you can listen to the recordings on WebEx and or come into the to the the, the classroom where we were teaching it and this kind of thing. And and our, and our numbers really shot up to like about 120 people. And at first, we thought it was the web component, and, and there was an element of that, but but we found about a third of the people didn't have any type of undergrad research at all, but they had gotten, they were accepted into grad school next year. They were kind of finishing up their final semester of undergrad and moving into to grad school, and they kind of had this realization of their, maybe their deficiencies, or they realized that they're, you know, I need to learn these things before I become a grad student. And so they were kind of taking this class. And they were all across, they were from engineers to English majors, all across the curriculum on that. And so that was another kind of opportunity where we had one intended audience and we discovered this other audience. And so this year we're kind of developing around that of like a getting ready for grad school boot camp. Typically that stuff happens once you become a grad student and you you show up on the first day and, and the department's helping you and different people are helping you with that. But there's there's this other audience of people who I've been accepted. I don't start for another year or, or six months or three months or something, but I want to prep for that. And so, so it's just it's it's again it's kind of keeping an, an eye out for those kind of things and and trying some 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 different projects or products, if you will, trying some different programs and, and and getting to know our audience a little bit more and then seeing oh here's someone who's trying this or here's someone who's moving into this this kind of phase of their life. How can we help them with that?
1: It sounds like you've had some positive outcomes. How do you measure your success?
2: I think, you know, in libraries, that's kind of something we're we're all chasing right now. And I think for us, I mean, our first step is really saying like how we're not going to measure our success and, and I think in the past it it's really been measured by like inputs, outputs kind of a thing of how many books do we um do we have in our collection? How many books do we purchase in a year? How many books are checked out in a year? Or with our physical spaces, it becomes um, how many people are you know visiting our buildings annually, or how many reference questions do we answer, how many classes do we teach And, and it becomes like I mean those numbers are good. It allows us to, to follow trends and kind of see okay, book circulation is sort of declining, but our digital downloads are sort of spiking you know really well, or you know we're seeing every year we you know we have a particular service, a lot of libraries do where we'll deliver books, print books to faculty offices. And um, it makes it much easier for them to acquire what they want. Each each year, that number doubles of, of of how many they're doing it. So, you know, the numbers are good. It lets us see how things are sort of performing. But I think oftentimes we sort of we sort of stop there. It's kind of like, well, you know, people are we're, we're teaching this many classes. We must be doing something right, rather than trying to really look at the sort of that that impact. What impact are we having by in, engaging with this course? What impact are we having by engaging with this this faculty member or you know his or her research team and and So that's what we're trying to to really kind of figure out that. You know, it was easy before we can kind of just point to, um, you know, I mean, I guess it'd kind of be the equivalent of like sales or or something like that, but without having a a sort of profit metric, we we really don't sort of know. I think one big number that we've kind of seen particularly at at my library at Virginia Tech is four or five, six years ago, we kind of averaged around 400,000 people. So we just even round up to say half a million people a year coming into the library And, and over the last the last two years, um, each year we've had like 1.3 mil. So it's a huge surge of people coming in. And that's really by sort of we've changed our offering. We've added a little more seating. We've added, you know, some a cafe. We've added some, some new things that, that that bring students in. And in fact, we have to turn away a lot often because we don't have enough seats for, for, for the demand that, that there is there. So I think, you know, there, it's it's hard to sort of measure that where we can see, you know, we're at capacity. But then it kind of becomes... You know, are people moving the furniture? Are people using the? You know, we we kind of create these collaboration collaborization zones. Are they collaborating? How are they collaborating? Is it effective in helping them collaborate? So we're we're getting into these 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 gray areas or or, or fuzzy areas around, um, you know, what kind of impact are we having? So you know, example I've I've tried to to do is uh, once a week, for about thirty minutes or so, like I'll go out on the floor where the, where the students are, and I'll wait till a group is like finished up with whatever they're they're kind of doing, and I'll introduce myself when they're walking out. I'll walk out with them and, you know, walk on campus with them a little bit. And I try to get them to tell me, like, what they were working on, not in a, like... Uh, um, you know, intrusive way, but just kind of you know helping me improve what the library's going on. So I want to really kind of get to the specifics of were they were they composing something together? Were they working on math equations together? Were they writing code together? Were they just friends hanging out, working on their own sort of work? Were they watching a movie? Where they? You know, it doesn't really matter what they're doing, but we try to trying to get a sense of of how the library is being used, and it's kind of getting around this idea of you know we're only you know, our success is kind of measured by how well our students and faculty perform rather than, you know, how many books we check out or, or, or so on. So it, it's kind of abstract, but that's kind of where we're, we're we're kind of are. I think we're in that startup phase. That's why I use that a lot where, you know, we're transitioning from being mostly about books in our building to increasingly more about people in our building doing things with books and data and information and collaborating and, and, and so on. So what does that look like? And And that's one of those sort of, I don't know if it's a side effect, but I think we've seen is as more and more stuff does go digital, there's this hunger or this appetite to like get together face-to-face and talk about what things are doing. We we see a number of groups that I've encountered where they're taking an online course together, but they want to get together to physically to study or get together physically to, to work on their projects or just bounce ideas off of each other. So there's still that sort of um, you know interest and, and desire and hunger to sort of be around people who are you're you're studying with, or that you know you just want to hang out with, and so on. So, measure of success is I think it, it's still kind of early to 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 point to, but but I think that's something that we're all in 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 libraries are are, are trying to trying to 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 figure that out.
1: Switching gears a little bit, were there any business examples or case studies that you? look to, for example, the, how to implement lean startup?
2: I mean, I think, you know, one I, one I used a lot, you know, when I first started talking about this was, was a Groupon with the sort of the concept of like the pivot. And, you know, I find myself saying a lot to my folks of, um, you know, let's just get this started. Let's get this off the ground and then we'll figure out what it needs to be later on. Um you know and instead of pivot a lot of times i'll say like evolve or grow or shift gears and you know setting up with that idea of um even the minimal viable product of let's figure out what we need just to kind of get this thing operating and then go from there i think the example a current example we have right now is um like a little 3d printing studio and 3d printing's been popular for for libraries for a while a couple of years but the main thing that you come across is it's sort of a print service where you bring in your file Maybe we have CAD available, you can tinker with it, and then um, you pay us and we print it and, and go. And so we're trying a little different approach where we're able to get uh, funding for a year to make it free for anyone, our students and other faculty, uh, to sort of test it out to see like what will people do. And we're trying to make it like a studio where we, we have a student who will be in there and, and who can help you Um, design some things or or clean the machines and keep things kind of running. But we really want you to sort of go through that process yourself. And and our target audience really is like people who are not in engineering or people who are not in sort of majors that typically – do prototyping and that kind of thing, but to kind of link it to some new ways. And like we have a creative writing course where they kind of create an assignment where they want to have people, you know, describe something, pass it to your neighbor. And then your neighbor has to go print whatever that is based on the words you use to describe that kind of thing where we're, we're getting that technology out for, for, for different audiences to sort of explore with. And so, um, a big part of what we're trying to do then is just figure out. Like, we don't need to have a sustainable model. We have like a year to do things for free. We have some machines. Let's just kind of figure out what happens, and then uh, and then pivot from there. And that we try. I try to use that example of the goal is to get to that pivot. The goal is to get to that 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 point where we shift gear, or you know, we'll do this for a year or two, and then talk about what's the model that we need to do. So, you know, I use Groupon a lot. I use um, the early days of, of of Apple and Facebook. I think just because people understand those. Those sort of models, and there's movies about them that people have seen, so they're they're kind of a good one to, to really hit that idea of the, the proof of concept. I like um, Intuit a lot with their sort of A-B testing and how they're always kind of trying, let's try this, let's try that. I use that a lot with space where we're kind of saying, um, try to document what's happening. So we, we we set it up, we take a picture of what it looks like, leave it there for a week, and then take a picture of what, you know, along the way, how does it get used, and then tweak it a little bit and and sometimes we even kind of run it in different areas where we'll do here's a here's b let's see what happens and 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 go from there so i use them a lot there's a good story in the in the lean startup book about toyota and how they sent a a designer to go study like the minivan industry in 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 the united states and i think you know the, the the thing i remember about it was he kind of came back with this notion of um it's like the kids, the passengers, are like the most critical users, and that you know a lot of their research or studies and focus groups, or wherever else they were gathering their information, was like the parents who are focused on like safety and driving and you know all that kind of stuff. But the kids are like, there's no cup holders, there's no screens, there's not comfortable. You know, they're they're just a different audience, and I think that you know the gist of that was that that they were able to kind of you know design around that, iterate around that, and and, and kind of uh, change their focus a little bit, and and then you know, surged ahead and, and made lots of money off that. I think there's also examples I point to of like the negative of like Blockbuster and, and Kodak of sort of failing to, to innovate or failing to too late to, to do some things and, and, and so on. And it's not so much a, you know, doom and gloom of what's going to happen to us, but, you know, you just kind of have these established companies and then, you know, kind of what went wrong for them. So I kind of use those as, as some case studies as well. But I think in libraries and higher ed times, Maybe it's different at, at Harvard. I don't know, but it's a little bit different. Of you start talking about companies, and there's like a resistance to it sometimes because we're not a company. We're this, you know, public land grant institution. It's a, a different cause, if you will. And so a lot of times, I just try to focus on um, more the concepts rather than like really, really specific companies or use really broad ones. About again, like Apple and Facebook, where it's kind of like let's look at their early days and see, you know, what they did or what did what, you know, when you look at Apple and how they went to you know launching iTunes and and other companies are kind of launching these, these content uh solutions and so on how do, how are we doing that where well, we're kind of providing more and more stuff online what can we learn from from other people who are in that same sort of business more or less so yeah
1: is lean startup now integrated into your culture i mean you've been doing this stuff for a little while now or are you still in a place where you're you know still educating and advocating for it
2: yeah, I think we're definitely still in the um the early stages. I think we're um you know, one I think one of the things that we've kind of found is that it we've we, we can talk about it, but we we've tried to get it in actually into people's position descriptions. Uh I think it's one thing to 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 say we want to be innovative and and even to kind of, you know, give people the book and say read this and and do that, but it's it's more to kind of like by putting it in people's position descriptions, it's it sort of it's showing that we're serious and we're kind of um, giving them permission to to explore. So I think some of the language we have in there is something like um, you know proactively uh, identifying improvements the libraries can make and proposing solutions. And that proposing solutions was was a really big part too. So it's not just like go out and find problems, but then it's like you know I'm noticing this thing, maybe we can try this, maybe we should look at this, or or, or so on. And and even part of that is not just you know, someone is talking, uh, you know, someone goes out by themselves and they, they see our printers are doing something weird um, and telling the manager about it. But but more and more, we're, we're seeing our staff sort of talk to each other and bounce ideas off of and asking each other for help. So it's not just I'm an independent contractor looking for improvements, but let's form a team and go out and study, you know, the, this situation over here or talk about this idea here or let's form a partnership with the tutoring office and, and, and try this thing. So, so So it's starting to sort of seep in that of I think it's you know, uh, getting across that barrier of, you know, we want you to go forth and and do some things and we're giving you time to do that. I think another, some of the language we have in there was like seek out new ideas related to learning and hospitality and customer service. And we're really trying to push the idea of that hospitality so it's not just, um, you know, people are coming into a library and you have to be quiet and you follow these rules and, and, and then they leave. But really more of like how are we creating an environment that's sort of inspiring for them to, 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 to do their work in and that if they f- we kinda of subscribe to the idea that if, if people are in a in a in a generally like pretty positive mood then it helps them feel good about the work they're doing and about the university and, and, and themselves and that kind of a thing. So that's why you see a lot of cafes and, you know, variety of furniture and that kind of thing. So we're really trying to look at like this hospitality aspect. And so one other way I've tried to do this is to try to um it's not perfect yet, but it's it's trying to find a way to give people a sort of a different customer segment you know i think I would call it user population, but you know if you think about like like grad students or first year students or international students or students who work in research labs or students involved in service learning or students um who are part of a certain living learning residential community and so on, you know, there's all these sort of variations, all these different segments of users. So it's not just, okay, you're an undergrad, we treat you this way. It's kind of like, well, you know, you're you're part of this kind of a community, or right now you're at this stage in your life, and you have these kind of needs, and so on. And so it's it's really trying to with the build measure learn thing. It's really trying to start with the learn. And and have each person kind of responsible for understanding or learning about these different communities, these different customer bases, these different sort of opportunities, and just kind of scoping it out. Where they're not really necessarily expected to, you know, develop proposals about that, but it's sort of like just spend time in there, read what they're trying to do, talk with these students, understand some things, and it's kind of like a, a, a kind of like a social R and D. I guess that we we're, we're kind of scoping things out, we're sharing kind of some understandings that we have, and then naturally there's just opportunities that emerge where we start to see like you know it, you know I think one of the things we saw in the um when we went out to like the research labs, a lot of times like students would have to like start an experiment and they'd have to wait for that experiment to finish. And sometimes it could be three minutes or sometimes it could be like 30 minutes or even, you know, an hour or so. And a lot of times students didn't want to leave the lab because you don't know how long it's going to take. And if it's a clean lab, you're wearing a suit and all this kind of stuff. And so a lot of times they were like, um, they didn't want to do like schoolwork because it takes takes too long to... um, you know you you might only have 5 minutes and you can't really start studying or doing homework because you're going to have to to deal with something in the lab so there a lot of times they wanted like just fun books to read like on their iPhones and so there was ways we could work with our public library to really kind of promote sort of a um you know a certain system that they have that's like you know best sellers that you can you can borrow online or even kind of like you know music streaming sites and, and and things like that where we're just kind of looking at what what's happening in these labs when people are are having some downtime and, and so on so just that's just kind of one tangent idea there. But it's this idea of taking our folks and giving them sort of a um, a community to, to learn about, to try some new things, to uh, pitch ideas around, and to, to kind of go around there. So I think it was trying to shift that perspective of, be more proactive rather than just we're going to sit in the library and wait for people to come to us and then provide them with really good service. To we'll do that, but also go out and and understand and see how can we bring the library to people, or how can we reframe the library to people, or even sometimes getting involved with things that aren't necessarily um, you know library related. So it just becomes you know how can we help. Uh, this this project, like a service learning project on campus, uh, how can we kind of help them, you know, succeed with that? So I think that was kind of the, the main thing that we're looking at culture is kind of trying to get people to buy into that idea. And I think it's easy for them to buy into the idea of how are we helping students and faculty, you know, be successful and to thrive and to, to do what they want to do, but then giving a certain sort of uh, permission or a certain frameworks to to uh, go out and, 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 and build ideas around that. Well,
1: that is all the time we have for today. Ryan, thank you so much for bringing us your unique perspective on using Lean Startup in higher education.
2: Oh, thank you so much.
1: Thanks to our guest, Brian Matthews. I'm Heather McGough from Lean Startup Company. Our team looks forward to having you join us for upcoming podcasts and webcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Lean Startup. Register for our flagship Lean Startup Conference or follow our blog. Visit leanstartup.co for more information.